0: You're listening to the Dying to Live podcast with Dan Stottridge. This is episode number one. I've been dying long enough. I'm ready to live. Welcome to the Dying to Live podcast, where you'll be challenged to ask yourself, am I living this life only to die, or am I truly dying to live? Welcome everyone to Dying to Live. My name is Dan Stottridge. I appreciate everyone taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast and to check this out. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to let everyone know uh, if you have any more questions about me or what I do, you can check out www.danstottridge.com. That will give you uh, all the information you need to get in contact with me. And Also, while you're there, make sure to click on all the social media links and follow me so you can keep up with everything that I've got going on, Uh, any events that I would have, anywhere you can see me or reach out and contact me. Make sure and leave a message and let me know what you thought of the podcast today. Let's get started. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be a little bit of a background story, kind of a retrospect on me and what I've been through, my journey, uh, um, and what I've done with it. Um, I've experienced a lot of death in my life, and I'm right now going to get started with something called Dying to Live that is a program I developed to try to help people and impact their life. because of everything that I've been through, it's shown me um, how important it is to choose the positive. Uh, We have a choice in everything we do, and this is my way of choosing the positive and helping others uh, be able to do the same in their lives. Uh, I learned about death very, very young. Uh, From a very young age, uh, I was impacted by death. Uh, My mom, uh, was a diabetic and she had four babies, uh, that were stillborn. Um, you know, things were different medically back then than they are today. Um, all four children were carried all the way to term and, uh, she ended up losing the babies, um, either the day that she had them or the day after, uh, in all four cases. John, Andrew, Bradley, and Holly were their names. Um, it was really, really hard for us uh, to go through these things um, because we would take nine months to prepare for the baby. You would you know, get the names all picked out, uh, get the clothes, get the room prepared and painted and ready to go, and then the time would come to have the baby and she would lose the child. Um, So at a very young age, um, between five and eight years old is when all this went down. Uh, At a very young age, I got to understand mortality and how how important it was to understand that uh, we were not here forever, um, that we were all terminal, and that uh, we could be taken very easily. Uh, So that was was really hard. Um, The next uh, death that really impacted me was Our neighbor across the street uh, was also my dad's best friend. Uh, He was involved in a fatal car accident. Um, He drove a truck over the road, and he was in a fatal car accident one night. I remember waking up in the morning and all the commotion in the house and in the neighborhood with everybody running around um, talking about the situation. And I remember walking out to the living room, And seeing my dad uh, crying Uh, that was the first time I had ever seen my dad cry Um, so that was that was one thing about that day that uh, really stuck out to me Um, even to this day remembering back then that uh, I had never seen him cry before so seeing how the the death of his best friend and how it impacted him um, that was it was a pretty pretty hard to watch Um, I had a friend in school Uh, named Angel about a year later that passed away as well. Um, We were on summer break and he was swimming at a a local spot um, in our hometown on our summer break and he had drowned. Uh, He had gotten caught up on something under the water um, in the quarry that we were swimming at and he drowned. Um, So that was another one that was that was really hard for me to deal with um, being so young and, and seeing this um, seeing the family um, of his and knowing that uh, they'd never get to see their son again um, you know all the other kids were doing their thing on summer break you know out running around playing riding bikes doing their stuff and here I was sitting at home thinking and internalizing all of this and trying to make sense of how my friend could be gone and how he would never be back again. Um, Just, you know, this this constant thinking about death that uh, had been plaguing me from from such a young age. Um, A few years later, uh, in junior high, um, just to give you an idea about my grandpa, um, number one, that was the only grandparent I had. Um, was my grandpa Andrew. Uh, he was the only one that we had in my life. Um, he had lived with us for a short time. He had tuberculosis, which was a lung disease. Um, so for a brief time, he lived with us so we could we could help him out and take care of him um, until the, uh, the disease started getting worse and uh, his health really started going downhill. Um, he wanted to move back to Pennsylvania, where he was from, uh, and live with his sisters um, to to finish out the rest of his life. So he he moved back there. Um, when it was, I think eighth grade for me, he passed away, um, and this was something that just totally turned my world upside down. Um, the only grandparent I had, uh, seeing him, you know, go from such a strong person. Uh, to begin to wither away because of this disease, and then eventually be gone. Um, it was it was just horrible, horrible situation for me. Um, all my other friends, you know, would talk about their grandparents. You know, they're going to spend the night with grandma and grandpa this weekend, and grandpa's taking them fishing or doing this or doing that. And the one grandparent that I had, they just passed away. So this was this was really hard. Um, after that, that was really the last time I had to deal with anything until later on um, in my life. So from junior high until uh, I graduated, I didn't have any more uh, major deaths that uh, that happened in my life. But it still haunted me. It still plagued me. Um, the constant thinking and, and worrying uh, and wondering uh, about death and, and what what happens you know when we die and, and why uh why does why does these things happen uh, you know to people when they're so young or to people that don't deserve it uh, just the constant questioning and wondering of why um kind of shaped and molded uh the person that I was all the way through high school um, i met my wife in 1993. In 1996, we got married. Um, And then in 1997 um, is when my dad died. Um, Just to give you an idea of the relationship I had with my dad, um, my mom was the one that worked in our our home. Uh, My dad was retired. Um, He was retired um, the whole time that, that I knew my dad, so we spent a whole lot of time together. Uh, every morning at 5 a.m., we would wake up, go have our coffee out on the front porch, swing together, um, and just sit and talk. Um, I had a lot of good conversation with my dad, really got to uh, uh, enjoy some good times with him. Uh, we went fishing, we owned a boat, we'd go out on Lake Erie, go walleye fishing, perch fishing, and stuff like that. Um, he owned a lot of antique cars, so I would help him work on the antique cars um, and you know different things around the house. Um, spent a lot of time together, so we had a really, really tight relationship. Um, my wife and I got the phone call in 97. Uh, it was June that uh, my dad had a stroke, so we rushed to the hospital, um, get there and only to find that uh, the whole left side of his body um, he, he's not able to use. Um, it, it was very difficult to see my father that way. Uh, you know, someone that's been so so prevalent in my life, uh, now laying in a hospital bed, uh, unable to use the left side of his body. Um, he was trying to say something to me. Uh, the only thing I could make out was the word Danny. He kept trying to say something, and I couldn't understand anything he was saying, and I became very angry. Uh, I ran out of the room, uh, went downstairs to the hospital. I remember going outside. Um, there was you know, lots of people around. I just remember screaming, uh, punching the wall, uh, just being very angry, not understanding why why is this going on you know the one person that uh, is most impactful in my life uh, is having to go through this and i just didn't understand um, i've never never in my life had to feel so much anger all at once um went back upstairs uh, talked to the doctors and the nurses and they basically explained that uh he uh he wouldn't have long to live that uh he had internal bleeding in his brain, and uh, it, it didn't look good. And several hours later, he passed away. Um, this was this was probably the uh, the most difficult thing I've ever had to go through uh, was was my father's death. To to see how it impacted everything in my life. He was uh, the hub of our family. Um, he was the, the fun-loving uh, person that everyone ran to uh, for advice, for a laugh, uh, for everything. He kind of held the, the Stoutridge family together. And to see him gone now uh, was, was just a really awful experience. Um, one thing that I will tell you is when you go through these traumatic times, uh, a lot of you will probably you know connect with this, that sometimes you remember the weirdest things. Um, and one thing that I, I remember so vividly, uh, about the funeral was the way my aunt Sally's hair smelled. Uh, I remember hugging her and both of us crying. And, and I just remember burying my face, uh, in her shoulder and, and crying. And I remember the way that her hair smelled. And, and it's just a, it's a strange thing to remember, but, uh, that's, that's one of the things that, that I remember to this day was, was that moment. Uh, for years uh, after my dad passed, I would have reoccurring dreams uh, about my dad. Um, him being there with me in the dream, talking about current situations in my life uh, that I was going through and different things. And then I would wake up and realize, you know, he's gone. He's not here. And I would begin to cry. Um, and th- this was something, it, it was hard for my wife to deal with because she, she didn't, uh, didn't understand, you know, what I was going through, didn't understand, um, you know, how I could be feeling these, these things and, and to be having these thoughts and these dreams every day for years, it, it was really hard. Uh, it took a toll on me. And uh, it took a toll on our marriage. Uh, my wife's a real strong woman, and she's always been there for me. And uh, it, uh, it was really hard for her to see me uh, just in this downward spiral. Um, about two months after my father had passed away, um, I was real, real close friends with a gentleman named Ricky. Um, he was the son of my mom's best friend. And I was in the darkest time of my life and really needed a friend. And he had just came out of a real dark place in his life um, with uh, drugs and alcohol and, and different things. Um, so he really needed someone. So we hooked up and developed a really close relationship. And we began talking. And every Saturday, we would go downtown. There was a local restaurant called the Poe Cafe. And we would go down there and uh, sit and talk over breakfast and, um, you know, pray with each other and and help each other through these situations and just try to make sense of life. And uh, it felt really good to connect with somebody and uh, another guy that uh, I could bounce ideas off of and and really connect with. So it it was nice to have that friend. Um, We worked together at the same factory. And uh, one morning I went to work and Ricky wasn't there yet. And an hour had passed. And Ricky's still not there. Another hour passed. And he's still not there. Uh, so on my first break, I called my mom to find out uh, if she had heard from, from her friend what's going on with Ricky. And come to find out, uh, he died. He was murdered in his sleep the night before. His, uh, his past was a rough one. He had a lot of a lot of bad things that he was into, and uh, his past had come back to bite him. And now, the one person that had helped me through the darkest time of my life was gone. Uh, the one person that uh, that I had reached out to and finally opened up to a little bit was gone, and this was this was just like ripping the scab off of a wound. Uh, I felt everything that I felt when my dad passed. It, it all just came rushing back: the anger, the hurt, the questions, uh, wanting to understand why and how this could happen. And uh, it was it was really, really another dark time in my life. Um, about two years later, um, my mom had passed away. She was diabetic, and she had a lot of complications through, through the diabetes for, for a long time, uh, amputated toes and different things of that nature. Um, so she was, she was in a wheelchair um, and she had a hard time getting around and she had quit work and went on disability and we'd spent a lot of time with her. Um, I was never real close with my mom when I was young, but now, um, you know, now that I'm older, I'm married, uh, I've got two little kids, um, and I've got my mom that uh, I can talk to, and I realize, you know what, I need to take this time, I need to take the, take advantage of this and, and spend it with her, so we would spend as much time as we could with her, um, you know, when I was at work, my mom would uh, be at home, and. My wife would take care of her. Um, they would go shopping. My wife would take her out and do different things with her and, and really spend some time with her. So uh, in that year or so before she passed, we'd gotten pretty close. Uh, we got to spend some time together, and it was it was really nice. Um, through the, the diabetes and the complications that she had, um, she had developed a staph infection in one of the amputated uh, toes, and it had spread through her legs and uh it had gotten pretty bad the infection was was really taking over her body um they admitted her to the hospital and uh one thing uh led to another and it just kept getting worse and she ended up on life support um and one thing i remember through many conversations with my mom um was that uh she did not want to be on life support. Um, my sister and I had, had discussed it, and uh, we were to make the decision that we had to take her off of life support. Um, so we, we had to do that. Um, the doctors told us that uh, you know once they stopped life support, that it could be a few minutes, it could be hours, could be days, um, but that she wasn't able to live without it. So they, they went in and to, took her out life support, and uh, we left the hospital, get out to the car, and start driving away. And they called us on the cell phone to let us know uh, that she just passed away that quick. Um, and it, it, hit, it really hit me pretty hard. Uh, we stopped where we were at and just sat there and cried in the car. And I remember... Um, just like the, the situation with my Aunt Sally's hair uh, from my dad when he died, something else stuck out in my mind with, with my mom's death. Um, the song by Linkin Park, in the end, was playing on the radio. And that's something I'll always remember. Every time I hear that song, I, I go right back to that moment. And those of you that have been through things like this, you, you understand when when you have these traumatic situations um, how a memory like that can just take you right back, rip the scab right off of everything, and you're right back in that moment again. And that's how it was for me. Um, after uh, <clears throat> after Mom had passed away, um, it was just me uh, and my sister left from the, our immediate family. Uh, we were all that was left, and uh, I wanted to make a cognizant effort to make sure that I tried to maintain a relationship uh, with her you know so uh, we would go up and visit her she lived in Michigan and uh, I, I would go up and see her and uh, let her spend time with the kids and uh, try and get get as much quality time with her as I could because I, I knew how fragile life is and that uh, you know we wouldn't be here forever and she's all I've got left uh, in my immediate family. Uh, my wife's sister, Wendy, um, she was very, very, very close to us. Um, she never married, um, lived at home uh, with mom and dad. Um, she was a receptionist uh, at the, the church that we all attended. Everyone knew Wendy. Everyone loved Wendy. Um, she was a huge part of all of our lives, just such a bright spirit, such a, such a, a light uh, in everyone's life. She was uh, so impactful to so many people, uh, from the kids that she taught in Sunday school and the classes that she taught and the different things that she did at the church um, to me and my wife and our children. All the nieces and nephews, she was the favorite aunt. Um, everybody loved Wendy. Um, she developed this disease called scleroderma, which, if you've never heard of it, is an awful, awful disease. It, uh, it basically turns your organs uh, hard, and, and you, you begin to wither away from the inside out. Um, and it's not a quick disease either. It, uh, it happens over the course of a couple of years. Um, she developed this disease and eventually uh, had to be put uh, in a nursing home. Um, it, was, it was really hard to see someone that was so full of life uh, be put in a situation now where their life was being withered away. Um, all the weight that she had lost... Um, you could just see the life being sucked right out of her. It was, it was awful to see such a, such a beautiful person be, be taken so slowly and systematically by a disease like this. It was, it was really, really hard. Um, when Wendy passed away, my wife's mom uh, looked at me and she said, I refuse to let Wendy's death destroy our family. And I walked away and I said, well, we'll see. And and I know that sounds cold, but that's where I was at. That's that's how I felt. Um, You know, with the loss of everyone I cared about in my life being taken from me like this. And now Wendy, uh, who was so close to us, um, being taken away. uh, The anger came right back again. Everything that I had went through with each one of those deaths had just compounded and and piled on top of each other. And and here I am now, angry again. And I looked at her and I said, we'll see. I I, I just don't understand. I can't promise you that this isn't going to destroy me. I can't promise you that this isn't going to uh, um, destroy our family. And uh, it was was really uh, a real dark time in my life everyone else in the family uh was was real strong uh, devout christians uh as was i uh, you know i'm a christian but uh it began to take its toll on my relationship with uh with god uh, i began to to question things um i would i would have these thoughts and these questions that you know people just never did they, they didn't ask these questions you know you would go to church and you you don't you don't think this way you don't ask these questions of God you know he's he's God and I would begin to question so much that I, I begin to lose faith and it was it was really hard for me to to continue to go to church and continue to be around those people um that had such a strong faith because at that point in time I I just didn't um like I said earlier um I tried to have a relationship with my sister um, to maintain that because she's all that I had left from my immediate family. Um, So we would, you know, spend as much time as we could with her. Uh, One day on our way to the mall to go shopping, we got a phone call from my sister's husband to let us know that uh, Brenda had passed away. And... I remember being in shock, Uh, I just felt numb. Um, She went in for a routine knee surgery and a blood clot had developed in her knee and went to her lungs and took her life. And I remember being in shock, just feeling completely numb from head to toe. Now everyone is gone, no one's left, it's just me. In the original Stoughton family, there no parents, no grandparents, no siblings. It's just me now, and I remember just feeling like I was numb, like I didn't understand how to feel, I didn't understand how to think, um, and it was it was something that uh, I had a real hard time getting out of for years after this. I spent many, many times just sitting by myself and thinking, thinking about all of these deaths that I've encountered and trying to think why, trying to rationalize my way around my faith, trying to rationalize my way around uh, the way that I was thinking and questioning God and the people that were in my life. and i would i was even so angry i got angry at the people in my life for having faith it would begin to uh get on my nerves the way that uh, they would talk about things you know and try to uh be positive in these situations and i was in such a negative place that i didn't even want to hear it it was it was something that uh uh, almost destroyed me Uh, for many years uh I went through this, and <clears throat> it began to get worse and worse and worse. Um, I started having chest pains. Uh, went to the doctor, uh, only to find out it was anxiety. Um, here I am in the emergency room, thinking I'm dying uh, of a heart attack or something like that, and the doctor says, "No, you're just having a panic attack." I'm thinking, "My God, this is this isn't right." You know, a panic attack. What is this? So I begin to do some research on panic attacks and anxiety and all of that and I was embarrassed uh, completely mortified by the situation. Uh, a lot of people that knew me didn't know that that's what it was because I didn't tell them um, my wife knew um, her parents knew but that was really it I was embarrassed um, you know how can how could anxiety? number one, cause you to feel like you're having a heart attack, Uh, and number two, how could it be happening to me? I'm a strong person. You know, I've been through all of these deaths in my life and all these different things happening to me. I'm a really strong person. How could I have anxiety? And I went to the doctor, um, got put on some medication, and I remember being on vacation with my family, <clears throat> and we just gotten out of the hot tub. Everybody's, you know, laughing, and, and the kids are having fun. The wife's having a great time. And I remember sitting there and looking at the three of them and thinking, I can't feel. I couldn't laugh. I, I couldn't be happy. I couldn't be sad. Uh, I was just indifferent. I was there. Uh, the medication had basically put me in a place where I, I wasn't able to have ups or downs, I wasn't able to to have these uh, panic attacks, but I also wasn't able to emotionally react to anything. And it scared the, you know, it scared the crap out of me. I, I didn't like that feeling. And I thought to myself, this is no way to live. I can't enjoy my family. I can't be a, a good husband or a good dad uh, feeling this indifferent or this... Uh, you know, neutral about life um, I missed the feeling of being up and down I missed the feeling of being able to have a choice in my emotions um, so I began to attack it uh, I cold turkey quit the medication and I began to search inside myself to find out what I needed to do to heal what I needed to do to get rid of the anxiety and The one thing that kept sticking into my mind was, my God, because of all these deaths that I'd been through, I had the opinion that I'm just living just to die. I mean, we're all terminal from the time we're born to the time we die. We know it's happening. It's an open book test. Death is coming. And that's kind of the the attitude I had about it was, my God, I'm just living to die. And it wasn't until I began to flip the script on myself and I said, I don't want to live to die. I'd rather die to live. And it wasn't until I changed my thinking and and turned it around in that aspect that I was able to heal, that I was able to let go of some of the pain, let go of some of the anger. Uh, that I'd had for all the years going through these situations. Um, and what I did was I began to <clears throat> put myself in situations where I had to talk about it, so I would share with people the things I'd went through. Um, my entire life I'd worked uh, in a factory uh, or a warehouse uh, or a job like that, and I'd always told myself I would never be any more than that. I would never be any more than just a normal laborer or a grunt. And I basically put a cap on myself because of everything. Um, And the first thing I decided to do was to quit my job. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do it without my wife. Um, She was the one that encouraged me uh, to push me, and she was the driving force behind it but uh we had saved some money and she basically told me this job is killing you your negativity is killing you you need to figure it out and get a get a grip on it and i did i quit the job and i focused on myself for a little bit and tried to channel my uh my thoughts and my energy in a different way and i took a job uh working for a big box retailer uh And I worked my way up through that retailer to become a manager. Uh, And then I moved on to become a co manager. And then I moved on to be a store manager. And dealing with people, you know, being the manager over, you know, 60 to 70 to 80 different people, it got me to realize I like people. I like to help people. I like to talk. I like to share the things I've been through and, and see how I can impact others. And the more of a, uh, feedback that I would get from people the more that it would drive me on and that's what's basically spawned the Dying to Live program is uh, everything I've done uh, up to this point making myself realize that uh, I needed to get out of my comfort zone um, to be able to heal I needed to get out of my box to, to be able to see what life truly had in store for me and uh that's what caused uh, me to create the program Dying to Live. And that's basically uh, my backstory. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen today. Um, I've got a lot of big things in store for this podcast. Um, a lot of stuff that uh, I plan on doing here in the future. Make sure and check out the website, www.danstotridge.com. It will give you some more information about me, uh, and what I've got going on. Make sure and uh, follow me on all the social media links so you can uh, keep abreast of everything that uh, I'm doing. Uh, once again, thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Dying to Live. Make sure to check out www.danstotridge.com if you're ready to make the change in your life from living to die to dying to live.